Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, April 22nd edition of the Basement Academy. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day. Uh, I think the reflection this morning and study will be significant. I trust that you'll uh, listen all the way through. This would be one I think that is would be valuable uh, to listen, as I sometimes joke, to the bitter end. Uh, let me begin with uh, our morning psalm, Psalm 82. It seems very appropriate in light of uh, what I want to be talking about today, uh, my thoughts on the Chauvin verdict from Tuesday and the administration of justice. Here we have a court scene. God lifts up, raises up, ordains that there be deliberative assemblies to administer justice. And this is a prayer calling such an assembly to administer justice properly, though sadly it does not always happen. So, God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But you will die like mere men. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. It's a short little psalm. God presides uh, in the assembly. So it's a deliberative assembly. And those who occupy that, though they are men, though they are rulers of some uh, sort, they fashion themselves as gods. This is what power does. This is what authority does to some people. They get puffed up. I have power. I have authority. I get to tell people what to do. And so the context here, I think, is such an assembly where those who were called to protect and defend the, the rights of the weak, the needy, the poor, etc., they instead defend the unjust. Hmm. And then it says, the foundations of the earth are shaken. Something happens when, when justice is perverted, when that body and assembly that is to defend the defend justice and, 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 and the rights of the needy, when it twists that, it, 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 it unsettles the foundations of a community, a society, a family, an organization, right? And then it's a reminder, <laughs> you're gods. Yeah, yeah, so, so you have authority but you, are, you will die like every other ruler, like mere men. And God, rise up, O God, judge the earth. And so there is an ultimate judge, even though we have these deliberative assemblies and other uh, uh, ways of judging uh, and administering justice. So very appropriate psalm as a, as a backdrop. Okay, so let me offer some thoughts on the, the Tuesday verdict of Officer Derek Chauvin. I'm what, first, I just want to say I'm sad over the whole affair. 
uh, so many lives affected by this single event of a counterfeit bill pawned off by somebody who was on drugs. And, and yeah, that maybe shouldn't have happened, but that's happening everywhere all the time in a fallen world. And then an officer shows up and it, we all know the story. I'm just so sad. George Floyd is dead. Officer Chauvin now and his family are are impacted deeply, you know, going to prison. The enormous outpouring of anger, the protests, the marches, the, the, the riots, the looting, the destruction of property that happened last summer. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the now casting a, a jaundiced eye by so many on law enforcement, defund the police, abolish the police, etc. Seeing law enforcement as the villain, seeing the justice system as the villain. And so I'm deeply concerned about the pecking away or maybe hacking away at the foundations of our society. Um, perhaps the silver lining is the, the deep awareness of uh, racial inequities and injustices that, that are real and disp racial disparities and economic disparities. So maybe there's some silver lining coming out of this, but on the whole, just so sad over the whole thing. On the verdict itself, I'm not qualified, so I'm going to try to stay in my lane. I'm a Christian pastor and theologian. I'm not qualified to speak on evidence, um, testimony, various fields of expertise. Um, I'm not a medical examiner, right? So, uh, and neither are you, unless you are a medical examiner. And so, I, I think on the whole, we ought to be reluctant to sit in that place of, you know, judging, but we sinners have a hard time not judging others, right? It's what we do. In general, I trust our system. It's the only system we've got, and it's a good system, and it's, and it's a tested system, and it's been built over time. And so, uh, I think I shared a number of uh, weeks ago about kind of in our child rearing, we would go to our teacher's uh, you know, meetings with our kids. And we'd always tell our teachers, hey, we tell our kids that if the umpire calls it a strike, it's a strike. That is, if the teacher said you did something, we're going to side with the teacher. It's an analogy. I trust authority. I trust those in authority. I trust the system. And so if the ball rolls up and the umpire says, strike one, and my kid goes, what? I'm going to say, hey, it's strike one. Dig in and you've got two strikes left. So if the teacher said you did something, you did it. So I stand with the verdict. That's my point. Uh, the, 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 the system allowed for prosecutors and offenders to gather witnesses, admit evidence. A jury heard the case. A judge was there presiding. And three guilty verdicts came back. That's the verdict. I stand with that. I support that. I have to support that. We have to support the system, the, the, the authorities. I realize some will be cynical. They'll say, oh, you, well, you trust the system, Don, because you've got the right color skin. And I'm sad that there would be cynicism about the system and cynicism towards me by saying I trust the system, okay? I'm sad that there would be such distrust by, often by people of color, not exclusively, but, but, but often. I've been hearing that uh, quite a bit. And there may be good reason where the system has failed or seems to have failed uh, individuals, but it's the only system we've got. It's the only system we've got. I don't know how 
all of this is going to get remedied. Okay, so I don't I don't know how this thing uh, gets gets remedied. You know, the alternative to our system is something else, and and so I want to think with you for a few minutes about uh, the administration of justice. Now, justice we've we've ta- we've defined this word um, some uh, months ago. Justice is a rightly ordered community, a rightly ordered society, a rightly ordered family, okay? A just world is a world that is rightly ordered according to God's purposes, God's will, etc. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, originally it was justice. When they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, injustice entered, okay? So they they stole from God, okay? They usurped a role, so now they're assuming a role, the role of judge, that, that is not there. So there's an injustice there. They're out of alignment with God's will. And then injustice plays out as Cain rises up against his brother Abel and slays him. And so we see injustice play out in the first act of violence, in the first family, and the rest is history, okay? So what I observe in the George Floyd and the aftermath and all that's gone on this last year is confirmation to me of the truth of Scripture, that we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. I don't see things as somehow like invalidates the, 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 the faithfulness of God, you know, that God would never allow these things to happen. I say God actually said these things would happen. This confirms the truthfulness and faithfulness, the veracity of God. I can trust God. God is trustworthy. He told Adam, don't do it. Bad things are going to happen, Adam, if you go try to be a God unto yourself, a a judge of good and evil for yourself. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your family. You will die. And so everything I witness just confirms the truth of our scriptures. Now, justice... The administration of justice in a fallen world requires that we have some structure, some deliberative body or assembly or individual who deliberates. You've got tribal councils, you've got elders at the gate, you've got courts, or you've got a throne that somebody has to appear before the throne and the king, you know, administers justice, whatever. But there has to be some structured way of holding individuals accountable or groups of individuals accountable in order for there to be order in the society. So whether it's parents establishing boundaries for the children and then enforcing those boundaries, or whether it's a teacher and and a school system uh, uh, defining boundaries on the playground and in the classroom and then enforcing those boundaries, Uh, or an organization with a policy manual, a company employee manual, and then enforcing those, or a society or a church, okay? So wherever you have human communities, or a team, a league and a team, you have to have refs, you have to have uh, principles. You have to have human resources. You have to have compliance officers. You have to have moms and dads, okay? And so God has ordained authority to maintain order, to do what is right and just and fair, as the scripture says in the Psalms and Proverbs, okay? And so <clears throat> there must be boundaries. There must be the enforcement of those boundaries. There must be accountability. That's the administration of justice requires that. Now, the scriptures, I'm going to read a couple scriptures 
first from Zechariah, these are to a family. This is Abraham's family. So we're not talking a secular state. We're talking Abraham's family. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts, do not think evil of each other. Now, this is a family word. Now, I know the family's gotten very large, so this part of the family doesn't know that part of the family, right? But it's still one nation, one family, the Israelites. They share a commitment to the law of Moses. They share a commitment to one another, okay? They share a relationship, a covenantal relationship with God. They share the rituals of sacrifice and worship, uh, the dietary and other um, mosaic um, uh, instructions and guidelines and, and rules. But still there's a call to administer true justice. And it's that language of caring for the, uh, the do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, so the widows and the orphans, the alien, that's the foreigner who would be among you, or the poor, okay? Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not think evil of each other in your heart because guess what happens? When there's a, a, a discrepancy, People often do think evil of each other. We're watching that play out, right? But this is a family. Think how hard it was just for Israel. Try to imagine what it's like in a, in a secular society such as ours. I read um, yesterday from Ecclesiastes chapter 7 about the house of mourning. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 8. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. Hey, hey, he got away with it. Hey, he did it. He got away with it. Let's go. Okay, so it's an observation. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. Although a wicked man commits a hundred crimes and still lives a long time, I know that it will go better with God-fearing men who are reverent before God. Yet, because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. They usually get in trouble and die early, okay? There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. Righteous men who get what the wicked deserve, and wicked men who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. Ecclesiastes is a somewhat dour and sober book. It's an observation of life, and it's this reality that, hey, if you don't carry out the, 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 the sentence quickly, people are going to get the wrong idea that you can get away with stuff, okay? And sometimes the righteous get what the wicked deserve and vice versa. Let me go back to chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, right after a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and uproot, etc. In Ecclesiastes 3.16, and I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. Mm. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. 
it is the acknowledgement. Now, this was written 3,000 years ago to the family, to Abraham's family. Okay, we're not talking a secular state, United States of America. This was written in the context of the family in the place of justice. Even there you have wickedness and injustice. Corruption in a fallen world, corruption seeps in even to family proceedings. Okay? So we, God has ordained that there would be structures of authority on earth. And those structures of authority hold people accountable within that society, within that community, within that family, within that organization or team. It must be so. If the boundaries are not defined and the boundaries are not enforced, disorder and chaos and essentially anarchy, there is no law, right? There, there, if there are no borders, if there are no boundaries, no laws, the situation is called anarchy. When laws are not enforced, you see what you saw last summer with the complete destruction of communities and businesses and the police just standing aside. So the laws were being broken, but they were not being enforced. And you see destruction, death, loss. And people say, well, yeah, but George Floyd. We have a system and that system has been working and it came to fruition on Tuesday. Okay. Now, <clears throat> Everywhere you have a system, you will then, or a structure for administering justice, you'll have a system and, and systems require forms and proceedings and protocols and hearings and procedures and motions and all kinds of stuff. And wherever you have systems, you have people who are going to try to work the system or game the system. And you know what that means. It means kids will try to game mom and dad. We did it as kids. Our kids did it to us, right? Hey, I'll go to mom for this thing and dad for that thing. And, you know, we'll let them figure it out. But I'll get what I want by gaming the system. Students know how to work the teacher, work the substitute teacher in particular. Students know how to kind of game who's the, who's the, the cool vice principal uh, that, you know, that they can kind of get away with and, and do some of that. Uh, coaches know how to work the refs. Every sideline of every game ever played, the coaches are working the refs. Um, uh, donors and alumni know how to, to work the system to get their recruit into the fold, right? Uh, politicians know how to work the campaign finance system, etc. So, um, so you, well, you, enough said about that. Lawyers know how to work the system also. They just do, right? And so wherever you have a system in any community, any organization, you have people who make it their job to work the system, to gain the system, okay? So we have to understand that. Now, the alternative to structures and systems for administering justice is what? Is it an unstructured system? Is it an arbitrary system? Is it mob rule? Is it vigilante justice? Is it the mafia buying off town hall? You know, the Tammany Hall thing? Is, is that what we want? Or do we take the system we have and seek to improve the system, amend the system, strengthen the system? And I believe that's the best course. So in ministering justice in our secular state of America... We have a system, 
It's, it's old, it's long, it's deep, it's thoughtful. It can be gamed. It has been gamed, but we're trying to improve it. Okay. So I think that's what's best. I do not advocate as sadly, I perceive some to be advocating such crazy ideas as abolish the police. I'm not, I don't want to live in that society. Okay. I don't want to live in that society because of the fall, because of sin. I don't want to live in, in that world. Of course, people who come out on the losing end of a uh, the outcome of justice um, always cry foul, right? The ref was against us. They called the penalty the wrong way. Um, the lawyer, my lawyer didn't, you know, advocate for me. The judge, the jury, etc. So, you know, prosecutor, defenders, whoever's a client wins or loses, the, you know, the, if, if you lose, you cry foul. Okay. I, that's just a given. Okay. The, this whole reality that these scriptures are speaking to Israel. And so Zechariah, administer true justice, is talking to a family. Uh, Ecclesiastes is talking to the family. It was hard enough to do it within Israel. It's, and still in the place of justice, wickedness was there. How much more so is it going to be in a secular state? Israel had a common vision, a common text, a common law, a common vision of the um, of the of the uh, the, the good, the, the community good, the common good. They had a common bloodline. We don't have that in America, right? There are competing visions of the common good. There are competing visions of what justice ought to be, competing visions of what right and wrong are, morality. And so, and so we have this system that initially was somewhat grounded and founded on these uh, Jewish and Christian scriptures, the, the Hebrew and, and Christian scriptures, the Old and New Testaments. But that we now live in a, a, a much more secularized, non-religious society. And so um, this sense, I, don't, I, don't, I actually don't know. Do people swear on the Bible anymore? Maybe somebody could give me feedback. But it used to be that the witness, so help me God. I will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. That is, there's this awareness of a God-fearing context. I am going to be accountable at a higher bar of justice one day for the testimony I give now. But that's being removed. And so once again, the cultural tsunami is evidence of the changing of our society. The, the, the way we think about marriage and sexuality is evidence of the changing uh, winds of, of morality in our society. Um, and, and so this is one more evidence of the changing of our world. <clears throat> so <clears throat> we assume impartiality, we assume fairness, we assume even-handedness, we assume judgment without bias because of this notion of a God-fearing society. I assume that the judge, uh, the jury, um, the uh, witnesses are all going to tell the truth because they all have a shared conscientious awareness of a higher bar of justice that they will have to answer to 
if they do uh, lie, <laughs> cheat, or steal within the, in the court, context of the court. If you remove this God-fearing context, there is no higher bar of justice that I'm going to give uh, uh, account to, that I'm accountable to. Oh, my goodness. And so the, the, the fact of our our society becoming less religious. The report just came out, what, two weeks ago that more than 51% of people are no longer going to church. So we're, so we're officially in the minority. Church-going people are now in the minority, okay, in America. And so what's happening in the justice system is reflective of that. People no longer fear God. And, and, and when you don't fear God, anything can, anything can happen, okay? Now, let me say all this. Do I believe there are bad judges? Yes. Bad cops? Yes. Bad lawyers? Yes. Bad juries? Yes. Bad witnesses? Yes. I still believe the vast majority of people are trying to do well and do right and do good. But even the good ones get it wrong sometimes. Because we are not gods. We, we make our judgments. We make our call. We make our decision. We state our case, we, 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 we present our, our evidence, this is what I saw, but even the good ones get it wrong sometimes. Heck, just watch, you know, SportsCenter any uh, evening and you'll see the video review and they'll show you where the rump, the ump got it wrong, the ref got it wrong, you know, clearly he didn't touch home plate and he called him safe in the first time and they watched the video again and he still got it wrong. So the good ones, even the good ones, get it wrong sometimes, okay? And so here's the question that I kind of end with. <clears throat> where the system is rigged, where justice is not truly administered, um, where even good ones get it wrong, what do we do? I think the jury got it right with Derek Chauvin. <clears throat> Um, you, I'm not saying you have to believe that. I'm just telling you that I believe that. I trust the system. I trust that the, the things that justice is being administered. And I have a greater confidence that there is a higher bar of justice that will get it right all someday. But where the system is rigged and known to be rigged, what do you do? Because people say, well, the system's rigged against people of color or the poor or, or the like. When the system is rigged, what do we do? What is a Christian? What, what, what are we to, to think? Let me offer that even when justice is rigged, uh, when evidence is tainted, when accusations are false, when a trial is a sham, when a verdict is pronounced and a sentence carried out against an innocent person, that even when the system is rigged and justice is rigged, God can still work a good purpose. God can still be working deeply even when the system is rigged against an innocent person. This is the gospel. I don't know if you've ever understood it this way, but the gospel of Jesus Christ that we proclaim, what we just celebrated on Good Friday, is a perversion of true justice, right? 
a small group of people who were jealous about Jesus' popularity and authority and concern for his teachings, thinking he's a blasphemer. They pay off one of his associates. They bribe Judas. Judas goes, and they've got this little deal. Hey, I'll go meet him here. I'll signal who he is, just in case you don't know. I'll give him a kiss. You bring the authorities. He'll be arrested. It's in your hands after that. I'll do my part. So Judas does his part, get, takes the bribe, takes the money, blood money, and then he, boom, he goes, hands him over to that small group of people who were jealous uh, for God's honor or glory uh, in some way, concerned Jesus as a blasphemer or, or jealous of his popularity. And they bring in false witnesses. They make false accusations against him. Justice is perverted in the the gospel that we preach is ultimately <laughs> about the system being rigged against a man. They shove him over to uh, other authorities who say, shove him over to Pilate. Pilate tries to wash his hands. Eventually, kind of the mob wins out. Crucify, crucify. Jesus is sent off and he's executed at the hands of the Romans as a capital criminal, a <laughs> capital offense. And he is crucified. I would offer to you that God was working deeply through the perversion of justice on earth. Working so deep beyond what we could imagine. The disciples couldn't understand that they were frightened. They were afraid. And so the resurrection on the third day, he rose again. That justice will not be perverted. True justice was achieved. God working in and through all of that human brokenness, human fallenness, human sin, human evil, to bring about his just and good end through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that has begun this peaceful kingdom, this just kingdom that is beginning on earth through the church one day will be consummated in the kingdom of heaven. And so let me say that the gospel that we preach affirms the truth that even when the system is rigged, God can be working deeply to accomplish purposes beyond what we could ask or imagine or even recognize at the moment. I don't say this to then dismiss issues of injustice in our society, but I say it as a Christian pastor and theologian that we must insist on these truths. God's call to administer true justice and yet the understanding of his purposes, <laughs> being God's will will not be thwarted on earth. He will redeem every people, tribe, language, tongue. He will redeem us. He will set all things right one day. And it is our deep and abiding hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the mercy that you have shown through Jesus Christ. Show us mercy again in our society in such a conflicted, painful, distorted, confusing time. We ask for your mercy, your compassion to be poured out upon us. And so help us as your people to live more faithfully into that gospel we preach and to understand that gospel in deep and new ways. And so, Father, we pray that we might be a just and wise and fair and righteous and compassionate and merciful people even this day. 
So hear us as we make our prayer in the name of him who was unjustly accused, tried, convicted, and executed, even Jesus our Lord. And we pray how he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of grace, mercy, compassion, truth, may he watch over you, keep you this day and forevermore.